what we learn very quickly is that women are not going out and searching, I want to learn to code. Their motivation is not to learn to code. Their motivation is to change their careers and to make more money and to have more creativity and flexibility. You're listening to Financial Grown-Up with me, certified financial planner, Bobby Rebel, author of How to Be a Financial Grown-Up. And you know what? Being a grown-up is really hard, especially when it comes to money. But it's okay. We're going to get there together. I'm going to bring you one money story from a financial grown-up, one lesson, and then my take on how you can make it your own. We got this. Hey, friends. That was Ada Bernier. She is CEO of Skill Crush, which is a big and growing online tech education company. She's talking about a big revelation that they had when they were trying to figure out how to better appeal to women, something very few tech companies were even trying to do. And this was way back in 2012. More on that in a sec. But first, just a quick welcome to all of our new listeners. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome. And if you're returning, welcome back. We try to keep the shows short because we value your time. But you can also, of course, binge and listen to a few of them if you're commuting or if you have more time, you can listen to more episodes all in a row. The goal is to deliver a valuable money story that you can learn from, hopefully be entertained by, and a money tip that you can put into action pretty much right away and weave into your life. If you enjoy the show, please consider taking a minute and leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. And thank you so much to all of you that have already done so. Okay, back to Ada and her story. After being laid off from a digital ad agency where she was an associate producer, she noticed that the technical people all had jobs. She wanted that security. And of course, who doesn't want the money that goes with that security? So she decided, also because she talks about the fact that she had a lot of free time, that she would learn to code. And it turned out it wasn't actually that hard. So fast forward to a side hustle doing coding projects with a friend and then to a business venture that actually didn't work out, but it led to one that did because of basically a chance meeting. Isn't it always that way? That's just the way it happens sometimes. So get ready for some drama here. This is a good story. Here is Skill Crush CEO, Ada Bernier. Hey, Ada Bernier, you're a financial grown-up. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Congratulations on all of your success. You are the founder and CEO of Skill Crush, which is the country's largest online tech education company. Your mission, of course, to help women and minorities learning digital skills. And you've been touted in the media as so for all of these accomplishments, 20 women to watch in media by Columbia Journalism School. You're one of the 30 most important women in tech by Business Insider. We could basically spend the whole podcast going over that stuff, but I'm just happy to have you here and get a little bit of your time in your busy day running your growing empire. So thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. The money story that you're going to share with us has a lot to do with how Skill Crush was born. Yeah, so this is like 2012 now. This was kind of the heyday of like the incubator. I mean, they still exist, but they were really big then. And we were interested in exploring, trying to create some sort of software product ourselves. And so we had been playing around with a couple of different ideas. And like I said, Skill Crush, which was called something totally different at the time, it's called Digital Divas, <laughs> was totally just like a fun side project. So we had this tablet publishing software. So it was basically like our goal was to make it easy for like online publishers to publish to 
iPads. And that was kind of the thing we thought was like an actual business. So it was a total business pivot. It wasn't even like pivot is like a nice way to say it. Like we just threw one out and we're like, oh, people seem more interested in this one. (laughs) It was good. I mean, it was one of those examples of the market tells you what they're interested in. And like basically no one gave two bleeps about the tablet publishing and everyone was super interested in the digital diva thing. And then at the same time, you know, fortuitously, I did this program at CUNY, um, the journalism school. And there I met a woman named Jennifer McFadden, who went on to become my co-founder at Skillfresh. And she had done a lot of research about the online education space. So it was sort of one of those sort of total kismet moments where I had this like education product that I didn't have any sense for the business proposition or the business opportunity. And she had all this deep knowledge about the education space. So that was what really started it. I will say, though, because we'd had this failed attempt at this tablet publishing software, I was very, very cautious with Skillcrash. Like, I didn't want to invest in it without validating the idea. So what did you do? What are the steps you took to validate it? Basically, when you go through this process, what you want to do is you want to figure out what is your riskiest assumption. And for us, because, you know, at the time, like, there weren't as many online education players, but there was, like, lynda.com. So we felt like it's... That aspect of it, will people pay for education online, was validated. So that, to us, was not the riskiest assumption. The riskiest assumption for Skillcrash was whether women would pay for or would be interested in a technology learning platform. So we designed this experiment, which is that we um, started a newsletter. And basically what the sort of offer was that the newsletter offered was we would define a technical term and find an interesting way. And we do one a day for 30 days. We went to South by Southwest and figured what we'll do is we'll pitch this to women at South by Southwest and they will buy it with their email address. We consider that sort of like a a transaction. Um, And we figured, you know, if we can't convince women at South by Southwest to purchase this with their email address for free, obviously, then there's no hope for us. So what happens? So I think we set the like goal of having 2,000 signups and we did not get that because um, we were doing direct sales, but our hit rate was 90% or something. I mean, we, like everyone we spoke to, we got to sign up for it. So that was kind of our first positive signal. And then we actually, through that process, happened to pitch a woman who happened to work for Mother Jones. <laughs> so then she wrote us up and then that gave us like another 600 signups or something like that. So wow. I think we ended up with about 1,000 people. So then what happened from there? So from there, we started doing the Tech Term a Day newsletter, and it started to build momentum. And I think we probably signed up like 3,000 people, which, again, just to put this in perspective, this was shortly after Code Academy had gone live, and they had gotten like 200,000 people to sign up over a 24-hour period. So I was completely like bereft and disappointed by the 2,000. We applied for the startup incubator, and we got in, and that gave us $25,000 of funding. The thing that I guess I think about it, like at the time, I really needed that validation. Looking back on it, I think what I got out of it more than the $25,000, because honestly, the $25,000 just paid for like incorporation. It didn't really give us a lot of money, but it really was validation from an external source that this is a cool idea and you should keep working on it. And I think at that moment in time, I really needed that, but I don't think the money itself, do you know what I'm saying? Like I just... I think about this a lot. And, and looking back on it, I didn't need that validation. And that validation really didn't mean anything because they weren't my target audience, right? Like they didn't know. But at the time, but at, the time at the time, it mattered. Yeah. Exactly. But I just think about that when I hear about women saying, you know, I can't get funded. And I'm like, well, just remember, like you don't need that validation from some, you know, the only person, the only people that need to validate your business are your customers. 
And often it's easier to get them to validate it than it is to get a venture capitalist to validate it. But we did also from that, we did get another $50,000 as a convertible note from another investor. So that did give us some money. And that sort of paid us probably for the next like four months to build out version 0.2 or whatever of the product. So what is the lesson for our listeners from this? A lot of people get very attached to what is their solution. And there's kind of a saying in the startup community, which is that you've got a solution in search of a problem. And I think the most important thing that I can say to people is you really have to start from the opposite end, right? You have to start with a problem and then come up with a solution for it. So I would just really encourage everyone that if you have a business idea, like chances are you're onto something, but before you kind of go all in on building out what you think is the best solution to this problem that you perceive is to really talk to the people who are going to be paying for the solution and really make sure that you understand their problem more deeply. That's totally the case with Skillcrush. We had a lot of bumps in the road, especially in that first year and a half. And a lot of that was because it wasn't that we hadn't identified a legitimate problem, but because we had, like there were women who could benefit from technical skills. But I will tell you what we learned very quickly is that like women are not going out and searching, I want to learn to code. Their motivation is not to learn to code. Their motivation is to change their careers and to make more money and to have more creativity and flexibility, you know, and they have some interest and sense that, you know, technical skills could be helpful. But big insight for us was like, you can't sell women a JavaScript course. That's not how they purchase that, right? They are looking at what is this going to do for me? What change will I be able to see in my life? And that was a fundamental insight that like, I really didn't have until I started talking to my customers and really understanding what their pain points were and their problems were and making sure that the solution I was providing really aligned with what problem they were trying to solve. So let's get to your everyday money tip because it's actually a business lesson that applies equally to our personal financial lives. Yes. You know, one of the biggest kind of aha moments for me with my first business, which I was running with my friend and we were both freelancers. And I remember we got this big check and I think it was like for $10,000 or something. And her impulse was that we should just split it 50, 50. My thought, why don't we just set our salaries? Like we're each going to get $4,000 a month or something. I don't remember what it was. These are hypothetical numbers, but I was like, how about instead of just splitting every check that comes in 50-50, why don't we put the money in a bank and take a salary and create the sort of situation you would have in a normal situation where you are getting paid like a steady salary, even if your actual income is kind of lumpy. And it was really interesting because this obviously was really helpful for us just from a perspective of when you're a freelancer, it's really hard because your salary and like your income is so unpredictable. So we sort of artificially created this predictability for us, but it turned out to be a really, really important shift in perspective in terms of thinking about the business as a third entity and not sort of seeing it as something where we were just like 50, 50, but it was like a being or like an entity onto itself that we wanted to grow and build up. And I think that in a lot of ways, this is something that is really applicable to anyone who's running a freelance business, even if they're just in, you know, a one person freelance shop that to really start to think about your freelancing career as a business and you want to grow that business and make sure that business has a really solid foundation. Let's talk about Skill Crush. So much going on. Tell me the latest for summer of 2018. 
We are in the process of launching a couple of new blueprints. So um, when you come to Skill Crush, you have two options in terms of how you want to learn. You can either take our sort of shorter, more specific skill-focused blueprints, or you can sign up for what we call the Break into Tech Blueprint, which is our all-inclusive program. You get access to everything that we have and uh, you know, a lot of personalization and we work with you to set your career goals and all those things. But we have a couple of new blueprints coming out. We're going to be um, launching a web developer blueprint. We have a UX designer blueprint coming out, which is really exciting. And where can people learn more about you and Skill Crush and follow you on social media and all that good stuff? So you just go to skillcrush.com and sign up for our 10-day boot camp. It's the best way to get started. Um, it's totally free. And, you know, you can follow us on Twitter at just at SkillCrush and on Instagram at SkillCrush. And I'm Otta Bjork on all the platforms, although I'm not the best. Um, Wait, spell that out then. Oh, A-D-D-A-B-J-O-R-K. It's just um, like Bjork the singer, but it also happens <laughs> to be my middle name. So Love it because you're from Iceland, which is a cool random fact. Yes. You were, how old were you when you came to this country? You were like a baby, right? I was a tiny little baby. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and I speak Icelandic. And Say something. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> Just, it's really nice weather today. All right. On that note, we'll leave it there. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me. Hey, everyone. So here's my take. When Ada and I were talking before the interview, she confessed that she had been so intimidated just by the concept of coding beforehand that she was resisting it until, of course, she learned about the money thing and all that. But then when she focused and tried it, she found out it actually wasn't that hard. So financial grown-up tip number one, don't be intimidated by coding or any skill that can benefit your career. It's basically a language. It can be challenging, she says, but it will open opportunities and is becoming a basic thing that we all need to know a little bit about at least the basic level. Even if you're not directly coding, you may be supervising someone who is coding or have somebody on your team or at your company or a peer. And understanding the basics of what they're doing is going to help you figure out and understand workflow and project management. For example, I learned even just basic HTML years ago, and I built a website literally typing in the code, the code that's now generally automatically generated for you. I was actually typing in the different codes. So pre-WordPress, pre-Squarespace, the whole thing. Skill Crush does have a free 10-day boot camp, they call it. So you can do that. I'm going to leave a link in the notes. So it's pretty much risk-free and worth checking out. Financial grown-up tip number two, the everyday money tip that she was talking about was basically about creating buckets for different needs with your money. So that can be really useful in your personal finances, even though she did it really for business. Paying yourself the same amount each month, especially if you have a variable income, is really useful. And then you can put everything extra in a different bucket for a specific purpose. It's a great way if you have a big goal, especially a goal that's intimidating, like saving for a house down payment or something, put it in a separate bucket. It'll start to add up. You won't even be noticing it. And it works. Thank you all for your support of the show. If you like it, please just tell a friend. Be sure to follow us on social media and share the promo video if you like them. You may win one for your business or even just for yourself. Share them. Whoever shares the most this month, I'm going to pick someone and I will make them a promotional video for themselves or their business. 
On Twitter, you can follow me at Bobby Rebel. On Instagram, at Bobby Rebel One. On Facebook, my page is Bobby Rebel. And to learn more about the show, go to BobbyRebel.com forward slash financial grown up podcast. All right, Ada Bernier learned to move out of a career that left her financially vulnerable. She built a business instead, focusing on helping others follow the money. Always a good philosophy when it comes to business and careers. So thank you, Ada, for sharing your story and for getting us one step closer to being financial grownups. Financial Grown Up with Bobby Rebel is edited and produced by Steve Stewart and is a BRK Media production.